When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams. Niche nonsense. Or surprisingly brilliant. You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terry Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. The summer's behind us. How did that happen? But football is back. Beer 52 are celebrating this by generously offering free beer to you, the Newcastle Natter listener. They're offering eight craft beers sourced and curated from the best breweries on the planet Free. All you need to do is go to www.beer52.com forward slash natter and just cover the £5.95 postage. Beer 52 is the world's most popular craft beer discovery club with over 150,000 members that they sent a brand new case to every month. Every month's case has a different theme. Past themes have included uh, beer from New Zealand, South Africa, Korea, all over the USA and Europe. And uh, the American Civil War. No, that was a joke. As an independent British company, Beer 52 are passionate about the UK craft beer scene, which they continue to support during this difficult period. If dark beer is not your thing, you can simply choose the light option, and your case will come with the award-winning beer magazine Ferment and a tasty snack. Don't worry, though. If you do change your mind, you can pause or cancel your account at any time. Just go to www.beer52.com forward slash natter to get your first case of eight beers for £5.95. That's www.beer52.com forward slash natter. Hello and welcome to the Newcastle Natter. My name is Fergus Craig and I am joined by Paul Doolan. Hello. And only Paul Doolan. Uh, Dave, as it sounds, is in uh, Cornwall on holiday. And um, as we know, Cornwall doesn't have internet. So um, it's just me and Paul today doing a daytime podcast Mm. recording. Different vibe. um, 
different vibe. Perhaps the first sober Newcastle natter in years. I'm hammered. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of sober, it was a sobering series of... <laughs> Actually, since our last podcast, we've played two different games with two uh, wildly differing standards of opposition and two wildly differing outcomes. Did you manage to see both games, Paul? I did, yeah. We should probably start with the Brighton game. We, we had people over for lunch, so I had to record it, not find out the result, and then wait about five hours after kickoff to watch it. I think it's fair to say we went into that game with a lot of optimism. When you, I was, I, I knew that you were doing that, and I was fascinated by the situation because obviously I was the ghost of Christmas awful. Does that work as an analogy? I <laughs> the ghost, of, yeah, that, that, the ghost of Christmas awful. <laughs> I, I knew what you were in for. So you were watching a recorded game, and ten minutes into that game. It was, to all intents and purposes, over and awful. Did you then just watch the whole game as usual? Yeah. Or did you think, oh, fuck. No, you watched it. And was there a part of you that thought, oh, maybe maybe we something great happened in the second half? Yeah, I think after last season where we, like, we felt more like a team that does come back from going down. I sort of thought, well, maybe we can turn this around. But deep down, I knew we'd lost it. I'd sort of, I started fast-forwarding when it went out for throw-ins and stuff like that. Sure. But it, fe- it felt over after seven minutes, because it was. It was. After the, what has been, a certainly in results terms, a broadly positive start to the season... It felt like a rude awakening. Brighton, a side who we should feel competitive with, you would have thought, uh, were so much better than us. Yeah, right I think from. if you looked at the two team sheets, you would say we had the stronger eleven, but they were they were just tactically miles away from us. We've certainly got the the eleven with the more Premier League experience. Um, yeah, but they they do look even just tactics aside, they do look quite good this season, Brighton. I think I saw them yeah. again. We'll see. I said that in the last pod, and the result didn't go well for them. But they they play quite nice football. I think. Well, their problem seems to be just scoring because they they create a lot of good chances but just don't put them away. Whereas I think they they certainly got rid of that problem against us. I think their right wing back was at Lamptey. Oh, yeah. Out of this world. I mean, a lot of teams are going to concentrate on our left-hand side if we're setting up with St. Maximum and Lewis because it's very inexperienced, not particularly good defensive fullback and covered by St. Maximum, who doesn't really do the running or the the tracking back that you'd want. So I think anyone with a very, anyone with a half decent right winger or right back is going to exploit that side. And he, he looked unstoppable. Uh, he did look amazing and we did make him look amazing. 
I'll be interested to see how well he does against other sides because he did look like a potential Ballon d'Or winner against us. I think there's a lot of um, people putting him in their fantasy teams after two games. I am planning on doing that this afternoon. <laughs> um, now, I wonder, will this St. Maximin lewis partnership continue or is it time to scrap it already? I think I think that question is sort of the same as Newcastle Twitter after this game was full of like big predictions, what we have to do now based on a sample of two games. Whereas the answer for all these questions is we don't know. But like it looked this fine. Problem. It looked fine as a setup against West Ham. Yeah. It caused a few problems down that side, but it was worth it for what they offered attacking wise. I just think we were massively outplayed by Brighton, but it's not the end of the world. Just like, even though we did get too carried away after the West Ham game, we probably shouldn't. But we can't make any massive predictions after two games. No, we can't. And it's a it's a wake-up call to the fact that we are um, not going to be a club challenging for Europe, you would think which means we are going to lose quite a lot of games like this. Um, uh, it depends as well, though, because I don't, like, Brighton, are a, we never really get results against Brighton. We've never beaten them at home in the Premier League. So in that way, it's not a massively unexpected, it's not an unexpected outcome, but the, the way they beat us, there was a brittleness to us that I didn't expect to see it was a terrible performance in yeah. two months. There was that first 10 minutes where same Maxman, he's not had a good start to the season, has he? No. He's from an, in an attacking sense, he doesn't look that fit to me. He doesn't look that, uh, lively. And he also seems to be getting a lot more attention from, uh, the opposition defense, as you would imagine. Yeah. And from a defensive point of view, he's a liability by the looks of it. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not that he's a like uh, necessarily like a Ben Arthur or something who just simply will not track back. It's that when he doesn't look like he knows what to do and when he does get back, he gives away a penalty. Yeah, so the, the penalty he gave away for the first goal, he didn't need to be making that challenge you just like you say it's not that he's too lazy to get back like some left wingers we've had in the past it's just he's not technically or tactically good enough to get back in the right positions and to do the right thing when he does but then is it it's one of those things is it a trade-off worth having to have him going forward at the minute no because he's not quite found his stride but I think eventually it is. I think what the problem is, the way we set up with a 4-4-2 meant that we were outnumbered in midfield. So we didn't really have anyone to do that covering. It's funny because left back has always been a problem for us. And now we've just bought a player who we're all very excited about at left back. But in our two uh, Carabao Cup games... We've had in the last one we had Yedlin at left left back. In the one before we had Mankio. 
So we still don't really have any other options there. I mean, I suppose you've got Matt Ritchie. Well, we've got Paul Dummett as well, who's back in training. So I think right. for the first time in a long time, we've got two players who are... Is Dummett primarily a left-back? It's tricky because he sort of seems to think of himself as a centre-back. We've got Kieran Clark who can play there, and Matt Ritchie who at a push can play there. But at least we've got a first-team specialist left-back. He's just young and will we, make mistakes. Yeah, and you don't want... Um, I'm, I'm not suggesting at all that we should be dropping Lewis, but we need to do something <laughs> about that, maybe. But I think, the, there, I think, how, I think how overrun we were wasn't just about uh, St. Maximin and Lewis. It was about the tactical setup. Like Brighton had all the space they wanted and all the time on the ball. They just outnumbered us. They had a sort of 3-4-3. Three, three. And we just had, like Andy Carroll up front just looked like a spare part that wasn't, it didn't work. And they were just between our lines all the time. I think it's, we're going to get it wrong some games. It was good in that first game in the 4-4-2. Yeah. People, Dave Watson included, thinking it was an awful decision. It proved to do well. And I, I wouldn't, on the basis of this performance, equally rule that out as something we could do in using other games. It would seem like we need to be able to adapt. Yeah. I think to, to, to speak up for Dave here, because it feels like someone needs to put the boot into Steve Bruce a bit. I think there are, you can't at this level in the Premier League at the minute just be like, this tactic works. Let's keep doing that every game. I think you have to react a bit when. That's what when, I'm saying. When you're yeah. not over, yeah. I think Bruce, Bruce didn't look at Brighton and go. The best way to set up against this team is four four two. I think he just went. That worked last time. Carroll's playing well. I can't drop him. Whereas really, Carroll's not offered much in his second spell at Newcastle at all. Uh, no, I mean. Yeah, I think on reflection, it, it is a game where we we would have uh, not saved it. We would have quit, and then we would have yeah played again and selected a, a different side and a different. <laughs> side. Uh, that was a football manager reference uh, for you. Um, so, anything else to say about that game? I mean, it was just. It was really shit. In both respects. Lascelles, I think, is worth talking about a little bit. I just... Well, he's, he seems to be our first choice centre-back because he's captain rather than on merit. I think for the last few seasons, defensively, he's not been great. The problem is as well, when he starts trying to play football, it gets quite dangerous. He's not technically all that gifted. Well, he's always reminded me of Stephen Taylor, but, I mean, who would you be thinking of replacing him with, Kieran Clark? Probably Kieran Clark at the minute. But I think the bigger bigger problem was having Carroll up front. And as soon as we do that, we revert to hoofing long balls up. It just meant Wilson wasn't really involved in the game. Our main strength, you look at the speed we've got up front, we should be setting up against teams like Brighton to counter-attack using that pace but instead it's just as soon as we get the ball hoof it up to nobody rather than 
get it into our midfield and then try and hit them on the break. Whereas I think it would have been a different outcome if we'd been sort of four two three one with Almiron, St. Maximin and Hendrick or even what's his name? The one we signed from Bournemouth. Uh, Fraser. Yeah, I want to say Chris Ryan, but he's the former SAS soldier. Sure, yeah. But, you know, apparently he's available for selection. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what else to say about the game. It was just awful from start to finish. Yeah, I think the game it, it often happens against Brighton for us, weirdly. Games that make you really fed up with the club seem to be against Brighton. There's those FA mm. Cup exits when they were below us. I don't know what it is about them. Well, that's that thing of like, one, the terrible performance, and also, two, there's that uh, ego that you have as a Newcastle fan that, I mean, come on, in terms of status, surely we're better than Brighton. Yeah. A club who weren't in the Premier League until a few years ago. So, you know, I just like I remember saying a few years ago, we had to come up with a prediction against West Brom. I had nothing to say about West Brom. I was just like, well, it's West Brom. (laughs) But, you know, different sides go through different phases and we're currently going through an awful phase. I don't know if it, yeah. It's pretty bad. I think, again, there was a lot of people after the Brighton game just being like, we're just going to be shit every game. This is going to happen every time we play. You're just like, we don't know. Yeah, and also there is already evidence this season yeah. that we're not going to be shit again because there have been two Premier League games and in one of them we were good. I think as well, it's just about, it's annoying that we've played so well in the first game and then shit in the second. Whereas if you look at West Ham, who were shit against us and then played quite well against Arsenal, but lost, some of their fans are probably feeling more optimistic about the season than some of ours now because the trajectory has been upwards. Well, I wonder, does the gaming against the Carabao Cup make you feel any more positive about Newcastle? I <laughs> yeah. What happened in the Carabao Cup again? Uh, if you didn't watch it, I paid £10. Did you pay £10 as well? I did. I, I got caught up in the hype on the WhatsApp group. I wasn't going to do it. I think I, 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 I like paying £10 for Carabao Cup games. That's almost <laughs> like, I, I, I'm, it's almost like an ironic joke to me. <laughs> I I feel like, one, I feel like it's actually, I've just assumed that it's supporting the football league clubs and that's a thing. Uh, Two, I do just enjoy watching Newcastle, even when we're fucking awful, because it's, I don't know, it's just just content. I love content, man. And um, even when we're awful, it gives me, you know, emotions, something to feel. I think as well, now we've got enough squad depth that when you're watching our second string, it's not all academy people who you know aren't going to make it. There's actually quite decent players where you're thinking if, if they perform well, they could have a chance in the first team. Well, I think we were all, surely everyone who did watch that game was uh, taken aback by the manner of the victory. It yeah. should be... 
If you're not aware, we did win 7-0. I remember the last time we won a match by uh, that margin. I mean, I think it's our biggest away win in the club's history. Wow. Which isn't bad for 10 quid. Yeah, for 10 quid. To give it a a massive pinch of salt, they did lose 5-0 at the weekend to Cambridge United, Malcolm did. Yeah, but in a way, that's that's the weird un-Newcastle thing about it. Because normally we'll go to teams like that and have to get a replay. Like twice last season in the FA Cup, was it Oxford and Rochdale? Or yes, Rochdale. Yeah, we had to get replays in both those games. We're not normally flat track bullies who can just turn up with Premier League players and steamroll the teams. It was such an odd thing to watch. It felt like watching a training session. Yeah, I think as well because there was no fake crowd noise on the Carabao feed. There was no, just no. A, there was just a northern man chatting throughout. Yeah, if you didn't have the pleasure of watching it, as Paul says, no fake crowd noise. But every now and again, this man would pipe in, who was obviously sat next to the commentator. Who I, I imagine in my head, I thought, or maybe he's like a. Uh, a Morecambe board member, like a local businessman. <laughs> Just talking about, and I, I think I heard him at one stage talk about the nurse who was looking after his mum and her putting on uh, the gloves that she was wearing or something. There was one point at half time. Racist impression. There was one point at half time where it was just the blank screen up. You could still hear him. It was like, oh, fuck it, Al. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> and that, I, you get the feeling that that was nothing to do with uh, the current scoreline. It was that no. you just, uh, just found out that the uh, pie kiosk wasn't open. <laughs> yeah, another halftime chat where it was like, I was trying, I bought it on the Carabao last week, but I couldn't watch it. I had to get Chrome. I hadn't got Chrome. <laughs> just going on about how to watch games. <laughs> it's quite entertaining. It's better than Crystal oh. Palace where you get cheerleaders at half time. I'd just take like a half time moaner coming on the pitch. Great stuff. Um so yeah, it was a uh, it was a great game. It was bizarre. It was weird watching it felt like a training session and it felt like the the players were almost too embarrassed to celebrate yeah and it could even have been a lot more so what should we talk about let's talk about Joe Linton yeah who we should I feel like we should be overwhelmingly positive but it's inevitable that we would talk about one particular (laughs) Joe Linton scored two goals one of which was I mean it pushing Pushing on Screamer, I'd say. Yeah. It was one of the only flashes in his time at the club where I've, I've seen the the ability that um, that brought him here. And that was him cutting in from the left wing as well, which makes you think maybe... Oh, so you're told different things all the time about what his best position is, but some people seem to think he's better played out on the left of a front three. And if he can just score a Screamer like that every game, then yeah. He just does that. Yeah, a lot. I think one thing we can agree, his best position is not in the six-yard box, where he just seems to 
don't know. His decision, should we talk about that miss? Can you even call it a miss? Because he didn't touch the ball. I think it was a, all it was, it was a a professional footballer, a striker, the Newcastle number nine, (laughs) a 40 million pound uh, striker signing, (laughs) deciding, making a, a decision, a cognitive decision, not to put the ball in the net because he wanted his friend to score. (laughs) (laughs) Jacob Murphy chipped in a cross. It wasn't even a shot. It was a cross. And I guess Joe Ellington thought, I think this might go in. It would be nice if he scored. That was how Bruce explained it afterwards, that he wanted his mate to get a goal. That is fucking... It's not like... (laughs) not like... Joel, Joel has Joel Linton has goals to burn. No, it's not like oh well, you know. Oh, I'll, it's all right. I've already got fifty goals this season. It would be nice for Jacob Murphy to get one. He must be lacking in confidence. He needs a goal. <laughs> yeah, not like me. I need a lot of goals. <laughs> it was so baffling. I can't, like you can't like Alan Shearer. If Newcastle got a penalty and there was another Newcastle player on two goals and Shearer hadn't scored, or even if Shearer already had a hat-trick and another player was on two goals, he would still not let them take a penalty. Like One of the main attributes of a good, especially a number nine, rather than just a striker, is selfishness. Sure, but even to compare, comparing with uh, Alan Shearer is, uh, is unfair, but to compare him with any striker in the history of football (laughs) fair enough in that particular incident he was insane i I honestly can never remember seeing anything like that no was mental it's like here's a goal have it no thank you (laughs) i've already got one today is the only explanation i thought that made sense was that he might have thought he was offside, so he was like, better not touch it. But then that wasn't the case. Yeah, I I, I thought it must be that. Although yeah. it was clearly not that. But no, Steve Bruce explained it as, no, he chose not to score. It was uh, a good game for Joel Linton because he got two goals and on that, the who scored rating thing, which is all sort of statistical rating of how they performed in a game, was really good like 9.8 out of 10 I think it was but watching him I still thought he's just not a striker sure that's true but he is a, a footballer who you worry that we will never end up playing a system that he fits into yeah but he is a player with ability and that and it was nice to see him get a couple of goals it's nice to be reminded of that yeah we have to um have to talk about that incident because it was fucking insane but we should be positive and um but yeah although he has now scored uh more goals against lower league sides against league one and two sides i think than he has scored against premier league opposition yeah that might just be his level i thought the real positive go on also involved in that incident with jacob murphy Jacob Murphy had a great game, particularly a great first half. And apparently, yeah. according to Steve Bruce now, uh, he's not uh, going to let him go uh, this season, which 
would mean surely Christian Atsu, surely will be going on loan somewhere. I think he wants to get rid of Atsu, but it's just that thing of, are there any takers? You would have thought that that certainly paying a fee, I would imagine that aren't. I mean, you, you can see Christian Atsu doing well. he was linked to a Celtic. I think that sort uh, of move would be good for him. But I don't yeah, think I can see him through. I could see him doing really well for a championship club as well. Um, it's a bad time when you look at players well. Players we want to offload. It's always Turkey or Celtic, the ones that get linked. Yeah, there's no Premier League clubs or what I'm at a mention. But um, yeah, uh, you would have thought Christian Atsu would be off. Uh, yes, Jacob Murphy had a really good game. And I remember you and I, we went to watch Newcastle against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. That must have been a couple of years ago. Yeah. And I remember, although we didn't have a great game, I, I remember being quite excited about him. Because he really does have an ability to to run at players. Yeah, which I think we need down that right side. We sort of. We have it sometimes of Almiron when he plays out there, but we don't really get it with Jeff Hendrick. I think we'll get it with Ryan Fraser if he plays on the right. But it was more it was noticeable. You notice it with Yedlin at right back. I thought that showed even against lower league opposition, who in theory, with his pace, should be running at opposition opposition defenders all the time, but just gets to them and either passes sideways or turns back. It's that sort of directness we've not had or don't often have. St. Maximin has it. It looks like Lewis has got a bit of that about him. But yeah, I like Murphy. Just He seems keen to take players on and just keep doing it. And his delivery yeah. is pretty decent as well. He looks really... I remember last season when he did come on, he looked really... No, no it wasn't last season, was it? It must have been the season been, Yeah, he was on loan last season, wasn't he? He was... Uh, he looked really unconfident. He looked yeah. really scared, I thought. But hopefully his loan last season has given him some confidence. And at the moment, I can't imagine him starting many games in the Premier League, but he looks like he could be a really good option to come on and uh, scare some tired defenders. Um, Almiron had a really good game as well, I thought. Yeah, surely got to be. Surely he's got to start against Tottenham. I think so. I think he's probably been our best player. Well, he's definitely been our best player of the season. I think he's got something like three assists. Yeah, best player of the season and hasn't started a Premier League game. Yeah, but I think that I I'd be amazed if he doesn't come in for Andy Carroll. That would seem that that would seem the obvious. Switch. I mean, on the basis of the last game, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily even start St. Maximin, but... Well, he um, might be injured as well. He might not be available. Well, if... So, oh, like, here we... No, let's talk about the Spurs game in a minute. Uh, Carabao Cup. Anything else to say about that? A lot of... Well, we're goal- through to... We've got Newport County next. And if we win that, we're in the quarterfinals. There's a really good chance to have a go at the Carabao Cup this year. It would be, we've got a very, we're having a, the luck of the draw in terms of opposition. You'd have to back us against Newport County. 
it would be nice if we just had an easy run to the final. I would be yeah. very happy to win the Carabao Cup without playing any decent <laughs> opposition. Because <laughs> I have zero confidence of us uh, coming up against Manchester City, for example, in the quarterfinals. Yeah, I think our, our chance, our best chance of beating higher league opposition is meeting them early enough in the cup that they're just fielding their reserves. Although with fixture congestion this year, a lot of the top teams, they're going to be in Europe and in other cups when it comes to the... So the quarterfinals take place in a little while, don't they? I think so. we have the next round next week and then it's a long break before the quarterfinals. Sure. I mean, I guess I'm those absolute top tier yeah. teams like Man City and Liverpool whatever 11 they field, it's going to be miles better than us, I would have thought. Oh, I don't know. I think, I think their second 11s, we would give a decent game. I think their first teams occasionally, depending on how Maybe. we set up, we can do okay against. I can't imagine either of them fielding very strong teams in the quarterfinals unless they've got a week off either side of it. I don't think Manchester City have a team that isn't very strong but, no. you know, this is all completely speculative on the basis of us beating New York Newport County <laughs> yeah um, now uh, a lot of goals who else scored Almiron got one Murphy managed to get himself one uh, Hayden got one. a lot of goals from distance because of yeah. course uh, they had a player sent off so we were 4-0 up and they had a man sent off and then we went in at the break 5-0 up against a terrible opposition. It always feels like in those moments, well, logically, we should win 12-13-0 now, but that never... Yeah. Ever, it's so frustrating because it would be so fun. But that's not just... But it that's not with, just us. That happens all the time, no. doesn't it? No, I mean, it, it, it's never us because we're never in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> but We've that, been on the receiving end of a few of those situations. Sure, it never happens. It felt like, you know, England versus San Marino or something. I would just love to see, I'd love to see a team, obviously some, some motivation, you ease up a bit. I'd love to see a team just be like, come on, how many can we get? I mean, they were down <laughs> yeah. there. Oh, I would be. I'd love to. I'd, I have no sympathy for the opposition. But I think, in a way, them being down disgrace under those circumstances, them being down to ten, almost made that harder because then they actually started setting up defensively, right? And we were having to try and pass it through them quite intricately, which is, I think, again, why we had more goals from distance. Well, whatever it was, even if it was in the midst of a pandemic and it was away at Morecambe and I have to pay £10 to watch it with no crowd, uh, it was enjoyable to see us win a professional football match. So, yeah. Yeah, you don't get many record-breaking victories, especially yeah. as a Newcastle fan in this era. So... On that note, should we have a break and then we'll yeah. have a chat about uh, the Spurs game this weekend? Awesome.
If you want an e-bike that doesn't look like it's made for the shopping precinct, something that's less Mr Bean and more Steve McQueen, check out the range of bikes from London-based Cooler King. From dope 250-watt city bikes to Harley Bobber-inspired 750-watt beasts that can tear your face off while leaving your smile intact. Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF. Welcome back. Good break, Paul. Very good. Glad to hear it. So on Sunday, as you listen to this, I'm not sure where this is, when this will go out. I think we're pulling it pretty tight. But on Sunday, we're uh, playing another two o'clock kickoff on Sky against Spurs. Uh, how do you feel that's going to go, Paul? It's a tricky one. Because the start of the season, I was quite confident that Spurs are going to finish outside the top six. I don't rate Mourinho anymore as a manager. I think he's sort of a bit of a relic. I don't think Spurs' team is particularly good. And then they go and win 5-2 at the weekend and sign Gareth Bale. You have to start rethinking them. It's, hard. it's going to depend which Spurs turn up. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean... They are, they're weirdly Spurs. They're a very un-Mourinho side at the moment, I would have mm. said. Yeah, he's not ruined them completely yet. So he's, he'll, he'll do it. I don't sure. worry about that. They still do concede goals. Um, but in Son and Kane, in the last game, they do have two amazing players. I wouldn't have thought that Bale, uh, I think we've already been told Bale definitely isn't going to be starting for a few years. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought he'll even be on the bench. I don't know. No, in a way, a sort of an unfit Gareth Bale, you'd probably prefer to Son at the minute. Definitely. I mean, their, their performance in that last game was frightening. Um, but our performance against Morecambe was frightening. Still. Yeah. Uh, I always feel like we do well against Spurs. I always feel like we do well against Mourinho. Yeah, well, last, last season away at Spurs, we won 1-0. Can you remember the goal scorer? Oh, it was Joe Linton, wasn't Yeah, it? <laughs> he doesn't get many. It was early on in the season again, wasn't it? That were, they were still under Pochettino then. <laughs> it's not often you can ask a question like that and the logic of how you get it is, yeah. I remember that game because the only time that striker scored a goal. Yeah. So... I wouldn't have imagined he'll be starting this game. No, you would think Callum Wilson, surely. Do we think it's going to be a 4-2-3-1? I would say it probably has to be. I don't know why you would... I'm not sure why you would set up 4-4-2 against Spurs in particular. They seem... Again, the whole the whole reason for picking Andy Carroll for certain games is that sort of bullying defences. But I think Brighton showed when you've got 
quite big centre backs who can mop that up. It just it nullifies every other part of your game. I know it was completely different players, but what did we set up against Morecambe? Was it four four two? Again, I think it was sort of four four two or four two three one. It was Almiron up front with Joel Linton, but Almiron was more kind of behind him. I think it was more like a four four one one, which is essentially a four two three one as well. Okay, so uh, I guess we'll see how it how we set up. I would have thought. I think we both agree that Andy Carroll probably won't be starting. I wonder if. I mean, and we, we would have thought surely Almiron has wanted to start. If St. Maximin is not available, or if he's even got himself dropped on the basis of the last performance, I wonder if Ryan Fraser is considered available to start in the Premier League now. I think he might be, right? Yeah, I would say he's sort of close enough to match fitness. You would think with the way. Spurs are attacking though there would be an argument for having Matt Ritchie on the left just offering that cover to Lewis that sort of a different level of protection yeah Matt Ritchie looked like the only player against Morecambe who was actually sort of enjoying the goals like he had he was the only one who had a smile in his face in my head he's Still not a starting eleven player for us in the Premier League. But yeah, I think that's about, fair enough. It might actually be the smartest thing to do. I think the, the the smartest thing to do, I think, on the basis of the last game, I keep saying it, would be to give St. Maximin a game off. And as you say, have uh, Matt Ritchie on the left. Almiron and Fraser. Almiron at number 10. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think so. I think we'll need cover on that left side. You look, is it Doherty they bought from Wolves, who's like a very attacking right back? I think there's going to be so much pace and directness down their right side that we're going to, we're going to need to do something more to combat that. But we also want to be able to exploit the pace that we do have in the side, which we have a lot. And you're right yeah. in saying that 4 4 that we've been playing really isn't exploiting. All it's doing is it's attempting to exploit the fact that we have uh, Andy Carroll. Yeah. But when that's not working, we actually do have a few players with a lot of pace who are able to run with the ball. So hopefully against a side like Spurs where you would think our only option in attacking, in attacking terms is on the counter-attack. Yeah. You would hope that we are going to exploit that and hopefully be a lot better organised defensively. Yeah. I think we need Hayden and whoever's alongside him to be that bit deeper because there's going to be a lot of breaking up of play having to be done. Well, we, ha- we keep getting overrun in, in midfield. Or at least we did certainly against Brighton and against Blackburn in the cup. Yeah. So if I mean Sean Longstaff isn't in form, so I imagine he's not going to be playing in that number ten role. So yeah. I think it'll probably be Hayden and Shelby 
as the sort of really? two. But what I was going to say in in the number ten role, who you would think might need to drop back a bit, and I mean Almiron, Almiron's able to do that job, yeah. Yeah, well, I think he he's able to get back. He's not quite as much a liability as St. Maximin, but he's not he's not an amazing defensive player. But I think in that role, he's more useful pressing up the top as well, like Wilson and Almiron and Fraser. I could see being quite useful at that. So, uh, what's your prediction for the result, Paul? I think two-one Spurs. Sounds pretty good. To well, me. the last three games we've been there have all been one nil, one to us and two to them. I feel like this is not a one niler. No, because I feel that like Mourinho doesn't have a one nil side in Spurs anymore, and we don't have a one nil side in Newcastle. Really, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go 3-1 Spurs mm. with the hope that that with the hope that they can pin that up in the dressing room <laughs> that'll um, be on there the podcast because there is you know I do have that little gut feeling that in my head we always do quite well against Spurs or at least yeah I wouldn't be massively surprised if we won. I wouldn't be massively surprised if we lost 5-0. It's one of those, really. I think, again, because we've played two games and been wildly different in them, and Spurs are the same. Their first game, you just thought, there's nothing in that team to give you any confidence. And then the second game, suddenly they're world beaters. Well, you would hope that our victory in midweek has uh, brought some confidence back and some positive atmosphere around the club whilst at the same time not having perhaps the perhaps there was a little bit of complacency against Brighton when we started yeah perhaps hopefully we've got the com- the perfect combination of a wake-up call and a confidence boost both floating around in our ether and we'll be able to capitalize on both with Another record-breaking victory. <laughs> I'm not going to settle for anything less than 7 mil now because these players have shown they can do it. That's the thing. If, they can get, if, the, if you can get a 7 nil victory on a cold, rainy night against Morecambe... With your reserve team as well, really, the first team should be looking to double that. It just makes sense. You should be... It's going to be a, you know... Sunday afternoon. Exactly. In a much nicer stadium. <laughs> so in theory, yeah. And they're all gonna be they're gonna be fired up from church. So that's gonna yeah. be it's gonna be an insult to God if they don't win 14 nil. Yeah, without a doubt. Having said all of that, we have both predicted uh, a loss. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we'll leave that there, I think. Yeah. Paul, it's been a real pleasure to spend some time with you on uh, during a, a weekday daytime. We don't get the chance to do that very often. No. Normally you'd be watching Loose Women at this time. Yes, I would be. And, uh, and you'd be um, 
hard at work at Bearstow Eaves. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Paul Doolan. Thank you very much. Uh, we'll be back next week, hopefully. Bye. Bye. Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu. This is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.